You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode 207. I have Jerry Brazy with me today. He's an amazing guest, and I can't wait for you to hear all about him. So he grew up in a poor family of nine children. He got his first job at 11 years old. He's had to steal food just to eat and has lived on the violent streets. Jerry worked more than 20 jobs before starting his first business at 28. Over the last 20 years, his companies have generated over $450 million in revenues and a lifetime of experience. He's a serial entrepreneur, has had thousands of employees, and has owned, bought, and sold many businesses. His mission is to teach others what is possible, particularly people with a background like his. And so, Jerry, welcome. I know you have so much to share today. Kirsten, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So uh, what kinds of help are you giving to entrepreneurs or is it entrepreneurs? Maybe it's just helping people. Tell me, tell me what's the impact that you're looking to make in the world? You know, it is, I'm all about what's possible. And so I, my whole social media online presence is all about showing people what's possible. I think that today in the world, particularly in social media, so much of what we hear is what's not possible and that somebody's out to take from us and there's no help out there and you're all alone and you can't make it and the dream is over and I'm here to prove otherwise and to show otherwise and to explain through perspective and experience what people can do. And so for me online, my message that I try, you know, because I have companies and hundreds of employees and I'm very busy, but I, when I started on my online presence and doing podcasts about three years ago, it was with the sole intent and purpose of showing people what's possible. If that incentivizes people, great. If that inspires people, great. But really it's about showing that kid that was like me, uh, you know, circa 1985 and, uh, showing him that there is a possibility beyond what what you see every day, uh, particularly if you're a kid that comes from the streets, not necessarily, but you know, particularly if you're from that, uh, for, if you have that background. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that if you're, you know, putting out content or coaching anyone that, you know, there aren't too many excuses <laughs> that are going <laughs> to get by you with the, the background <laughs> that you've had. I always say if you get a mentor, get one that pisses you off because if you have one that makes you feel good, you got the wrong mentor. Somebody, uh, you know, the, your, your mentor or, you know, your coach should make you angry and uneasy. And, and, and that's kind of the way that, uh, that, you know, the world is uncomfortable. And the lesson there is that the ones of us that learn to live in that uncomfortable and be able to move through it, 
that's a lot that's multiple steps towards finding the success that people want but so many people are unkind i don't want to have that conversation i don't want to go to that meeting i don't want to have to put myself out there and risk and you there is no there is no benefit if you're not willing to put yourself out there and be uncomfortable and so for me that's my experience that's the way that i've lived and so that's what i teach so how tell me a little bit more about how you teach what you teach you, so, you mentioned online yeah and so it's primarily online and then i have uh, multiple ceo groups that i'm a part of and actually i'm going to start up my own group here pretty soon that uh, that uh, uh, that will cater specifically and primarily to entrepreneurs that are new or are existing and that need the, that aren't big enough to have a to have a board say uh, but are large enough to need help and need advice from uh, from from groups and these are executive groups are, 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 are a dime a dozen really and they're pretty common for me when I started my business at 28 years old I had no idea what I was doing I had no idea the first thing about what business Business was I barely could read a balance sheet or a profit and loss statement, uh, and I did three, eight, twelve, and fourteen million in my first four years. So wow. by my fourth year, I was on a run rate of fourteen million dollars a year. I had no clue what I was doing, Kirsten. So. I got referred to in my second year, a CEO group. And at the time, this is when I was 29, 30 years old. All of the guys in the group were in their fifties and had all of this experience running companies. And I just sat and listened. I just shut up and listened. Uh, and I took it all in. And the funny thing is now they've helped me immeasurably through the years, uh, across the board on whatever it is that I had issues with. And so now they're all retired and, you know, in their seventies and I'm that 52 year old sitting there trying to pass along the same things and, and, and benefit others the same way that I benefited from the guys that came before I did. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about uh, some of the successes that you've had in in working. And, and do you call it coaching, mentoring, uh, guiding? What do you call the work that you do? Yeah, it's it's primarily mentoring is probably the, the, the right word. Coaching goes into it, but I like to get deeper into it than just uh, than just coaching necessarily, or, you know, depending on what your definition of that is. But, uh, I'll give you an example. There is a, uh, shop in California and a kid reached out to me and he had owned it for years and he was losing it and he had no idea what to do. And in this case, I said, I'll help you out, you know, free of charge. You're, 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 you're doing everything you can to build yourself out of it. And I gave him some specific pieces of advice based on the exact situation I was in back in 2004, as a matter of fact. And he took that advice and he ran with it and he's never been busier. They're in a brand new facility and they continue to grow. And it was simply me passing along to him again, what's possible, uh, based on the experiences that I've had. So I rely a lot on where I came from to illustrate what's possible today and to help people understand how we just can't get out of our own way, how easy it is to get in to, to get in our own way. And with my perspective, I always say that I see, I see so much more in other people than they see in themselves because I've stolen food as a kid to eat. I got my first job at 11 years old. I lived on the streets when I was 17. Uh, and I, I have zero education. I have no training. I did all this from reading books and get putting myself out there. And so that's where I come in and say, look, you, there's so much more that you can do. And that's what I try to bring to my coaching. Uh, again, with a lifetime of perspective from a business perspective, planning, real estate, you name moving, buying, you name it. I've done the work. And from that perspective, then that's how I try to help. You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I think about and I can't imagine what that was like having to steal food to eat. But boy, is that uh, a spot where you are going to be tenacious and just 
figure it out. And I, and I, so I'm picturing you as a business owner using that same tenacity. I know so often, you know, when I started my business, it was to get out of an abusive marriage. And I always say, and I, I burned all the boats. Like I didn't have another yeah. option, but I, I was an adult by that point. And, and it, you know, and it was about putting food on the table for myself and two young boys, but you know, but I was an adult. And so I, I just picture the tenacity that, that, that must've taken. And how old were you when you were having to steal food? Uh, a little, I, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Wow. And- and so by the time I was 17, I lived in a flop house for $25 a week with hookers and heroin addicts. But I'll tell you what I always did. And it's along the lines of the story that you were just telling. I knew how to work because I went to work because I wanted to eat. And so I went to work at a restaurant. Literally, I pay taxes as an 11 year old. And so I got a job as an 11 year old washing dishes at a restaurant up the street from where I lived. Uh, and I never have not had a job since. And every job, I just moved to the next job that would pay me a little bit more and a little bit more. But I learned to combine food and work. So if I worked, I ate. And when you starve, when you've been starving, food means a lot. And so that connection in my psyche has always been there. Uh, and I work like a fiend and I never stop, never missed a day of work in my life. And it goes back to, I think, that combination of work is, is life and everything else just needs to get out of the way. But I'll tell you a really quick story about, I, I don't know how this happened. I was 14 years old and I had just gotten rolled. That is, I had just gotten robbed by four guys at a mall. And I was rolled underneath of a bus stop on a very busy street in Northeast Portland where I lived. And I wake up a couple hours later, I unroll myself underneath the bus stop. My nose is broken. My eyes are black. I get on the bus. I take it to the last stop I can. And then I have a mile and a half walk home. I'm 14 years old. I had just gone blind. My sister had died the year before. I mean, I I, I had this 18 month period and I I could take you to the exact spot in Portland right now and stand on that block of concrete where for whatever reason, I'm holding my nose closed because the top half of it was split open, my blood down my front. And I'm somewhere, somebody, Jiminy Cricket, Confucius, Buddha, God, whatever the belief is, a voice outside of my head said to me as a 14-year-old, Jerry, there's no one at home. No one's going to help you. Every decision you make going forward is your responsibility. Everything is your fault. Regardless of whether or not you control it, it's your fault. And I'll tell you what, Kirsten, I don't know as a 14-year-old how I heard that. I don't know how I responded to it, how I even listened to it. I don't know where it came from. I didn't have a counselor or somebody telling me what to do. Uh, But I heard it and I took it. And over the years, it grew, right? It didn't take fruit immediately, but over the, over the decades, it started to really bear fruit. So by the time I got to be 28 years old and starting my own company, everything is my responsibility. Everything is my fault, which means no matter what you do, you're never going to hurt my feelings. No matter what you do, I'm never going to blame you so that I don't proceed the way that I should. I take responsibility for it a hundred percent. And then it bears all of the fruit going forward. So, wow. I, I don't even know what to say as you're sharing these stories. I I just can't imagine. And it's amazing that you, again, used all this tenacity to be so successful versus, you know, because as I hear you talk about taking full responsibility and it was my fault, I think about people who uh, live a life as a victim as if everything is, you know, people are out to get them. You know, so just like the simple switch that you could have flipped in an opposite direction, um, you know, not taking responsibility and, you know, there's nothing I can do. And you did the exact opposite. C- can you translate or tell a story about how this level of tenacity um, served you in, in your business at a time when maybe there was some difficulty? 
Well, absolutely. You know, business is hard, period. You have a business. Lots of people listening have a business. Business is difficult in and of itself. But where I come from and from, from my tenacity, like I said, I, those first four years, I built this business doing $14 million a year in this one single transportation business. I had 200 employees. And my largest competitor went out of business in my second year. And so I worked 45 days straight. We hired 50 people in 30 days. I worked at one point eight straight days on a 45 minute nap on the fourth day. My management crew was going 20 hour days and I'm sitting here today all going 20 hour days, taking four off and working another 20 for 45 days. We did that. And I'm sitting here now because of the work that I put in, this has been 20 years ago and the sacrifice that I made making that happen and putting that together. Now the the same kind of from the, you know, from the childhood, the kind of work ethic that I came up with that, that helped me grow that years later, I had massive customers on the trans transportation side and I wasn't making any money. And so I had to put the same amount of effort into figuring out where I was making money and not making money. And I had to cut the company from, Oh, we were doing $15 million a year or so back down to $8 million so that I could get my hands around it. And I had to get rid of some huge customers, McKesson and Staples. I mean, these customers that, that, that transportation companies would kill for, I said, you got to go. You were 90% of my workers' comp claims. I had to figure all of that out. So the amount of work that I put into that was probably every bit as much specifically mentally, or especially mentally, I should say, as the kind of work that I put into uh, growing the company and taking advantage of when one of my competitors fell down. So I think that's probably two examples out of, you know, the podcast isn't long enough uh, <laughs> for me to give you all of the examples of the way that just hard work Living the uncomfortable has proven to benefit me uh, over and over again, either by saving my butt because of mistakes that I made or by improving my lot in life because I was able to take advantage of an opportunity. Now, uh, the stories that you're telling me just beg the question in my mind. Uh, are you tenacious about putting boundaries around um, personal time for like personal care for yourself or spending time with family and friends, those kinds of things. Kirsten, that is, I, I love that question. I, that, that's my, it's one of my favorite questions because I love to answer this because this is a, as big a misnomer as you can't make it. And somebody's out there trying to steal what you have. I raised three kids. My kids went to, they're now 20, four, 22 and 19 years old. They went to Chinese immersion school starting at three years old and they went to Chinese immersion school through, so through fifth grade. So my three kids read, write and speak Chinese fluently. Then I sent them to Catholic school for middle school. And then I sent them to a Christian school for high school because I wanted to have this full smorgasbord, this whole buffet of, of educational experience. Uh, and the thing about, I never missed an event. I never missed a game. I never missed a recital. You name it, I was there. I coached. I did all of those things that people tell you, people like me that work 15, 18 hours a day can't do. But you know what I would do is I would leave work and I would go to that thing. And then I would, we would do the thing and go to the snack afterwards, you know, that the kids love to do. And then I would go to work and they would go home. Conversely, I was home every night at 8.30 to wrestle with the kids, to ask them, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they would answer whatever I want. And I would say, how are you going to get there? And they would say, by working hard and being smart. Every night, 80% of every night of my, ch my children's lives, they heard from their dad, or they had that conversation with their dad. They wrestled with their dad, and they hugged their dad and said goodnight. It's about quality time, not quantity. And I think we fool ourselves into thinking that we need to be home by 6. And then let's evaluate what that, let's audit that 6 
to 10 o'clock, what do we really do? And so many times people come home and they spend a little bit of time with the kids, but the kid's doing homework and then they sit around the table and they do dinner and then the kid goes to bed and gives dad a hug and then dad sits and watch television for two and a half hours and then he goes to sleep. That to me, as, as you audit that, that's not quality time. So I'd rather have that half an hour or that two hours with my children three days a week at the recital or at the baseball game or whatever it is, rather than fooling myself that I needed to be home for six or eight hours, when in reality of that time, I only spent a small percentage of it with them. I am so glad to hear that. And I'm glad that I asked that question because yeah. I was I was really trying to guess, which is it going to be? I knew you were going to be tenacious about whichever the answer was. <laughs> yep. So and very committed. So uh, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see that. And, and I will say my kids are now grown and I... I don't know if it was 100%, but very, very close to 100% of all, same thing, all the games, all the recitals, all the band concerts, and yes, all of that stuff. It is so you important. Can, and don't you look back now and say, like, I, I don't regret any of the work sacrifices or any of the things that I sacrificed to make sure. I mean, that wasn't, I don't see it as a sacrifice, actually, but, you know, you have to make choices and prioritize to make that happen. Yeah, you can, uh, you can. I, I always say I would give up my fortune to go back. Right? I'd, I'd give up everything I have to have my kids be six, eight, and ten again uh, <laughs> because it was fantastic and I enjoyed it. It goes far too fast, oh my gosh. no matter how much time sure you spend does. with your kids, right? And you can attest to that. But there, there, you know, I didn't see where I sacrificed. I want where I come from. I have people who are my age, fifty-two years old, who are great grandparents that I went to school with. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're great. That means they had kids at 16 and their kid had kids at 16 and their kid had kid at 16. And that cycle never ends. It's impossible to break that poverty cycle. That's my history. And that's the history of all of the people on the neighborhoods that I grew up in. And so when you're trying to break that and get out of that cycle, right, that you have to stop and understand what you can do. What are you doing about that cycle to change it? And for me, it was looking at it and saying, I don't believe that, that, that I have to pick kids kids over career. I think I can do these things together really quick. My wife would, I'd be too busy to come home. Some of the greatest memories I have is my wife, who's a saint. We've been married for 25 years. She would put all of the bikes in the back of the truck and bring the kids down to my office and and bring a picnic deal. And we just sit there on the corner and eat sandwiches. And I'd watch my kids ride around in circles uh, on their bikes, you know, and they're, and they're little at the time. And I've passed this along, this piece of advice to so many people. If you can watch that and not want to stand up and just go battle with every fiber of your being to give those children what you want to give them, then there's something the matter with you. I have a construction buddy of mine. He was just crushed in 2008. And I said, go in your daughter's room, who's nine years old, and tell her as she lays there asleep in bed that daddy failed her. Go ahead. Now tell me how you can't do what you're saying you want to do or that you can't do, right? Your head's messed up. If I put a gun to your mother's head, the amount of things that you can get done are immeasurable. But we don't, we, 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 it's, that's too difficult, Jerry. That's, I can't do that. I can do that. That's how I look at the world. My world is black and white that way. If I can do it, great. If I can't, I can't. But the thing is, if I can and I didn't, I hold myself accountable. My fault. I could have and I didn't. How many times have we done something? You get over it and you look back on it and you say, I could have done that, right? I could have gotten up earlier. I could have stayed up later. I could have gotten that project finished, but I didn't. And that self-assessment is critical. That looking inside and self-assessing is critical to success. You know, having people just switch the language that they use around that, I choose, you know, in in either situation, because we do, yeah, people can so easily say like, I don't have time for that or I can't. Mm, 
no, everybody has the same 24 hours. You're just using, you know, choosing to use yours, use yours in a certain way. <laughs> right. That's right. And, 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 and add to that emotion. So I don't have, again, my wife's a saint. I've, I don't have any drama in my life. If I had drama, I removed myself from it. When I was 28 years old, I figured out that I was hanging out with the wrong people and the wrong people were just friends that I had had forever that were, you know, we ate sports, we drink sports, we live sports, we were in the bar playing sports, betting on sports. Everything was sports related and that's where I was really comfortable. And I figured out that I needed to move beyond that and I dumped all of my friends as I started my first business at 28 and I went out and found people who were smarter than me, accountants and attorneys. Some of them are still my friends all of these years later uh, to really challenge me to be uncomfortable, like I said, and to learn because I knew otherwise I was going to be doing the same thing I was doing at 28 at 58 and I did want that to happen. I would rather go fail than not try to succeed. That's amazing. And that's one of the things that I love about the work that you're doing. It can be really hard to find other people with that fire to, you know, live a different kind of life, start a business, run a business, be successful. It is a very different lifestyle. And people who aren't in it or interested in that don't really understand the the motivation, the yeah. work, all of that stuff. And you really do need to surround yourself with with people who can understand it and, and motivate you and, and cheer you on and kick you in the rump when you need it. That's right. And you can, you'd be surprised what you're capable of doing with this approach. I have people that work for me that have been with me for 20 years that can't imagine their ability to work the way that they do now. And again, they've been with me for 20 years. So that speaks, that's a testament to our relationship and the kind of employer that I am. But you know, they, I never get sick. I've never missed a day of work in my entire life. And I, so I'm always at work. Well, I'll put my office up against anybody. They always come to work. They don't get sick nearly as much. And they'll say, I don't know where we got it. It's like watching you. I don't want to be sick. So I don't get sick. I'm not saying you can mind over matter and force yourself not to be sick. But I am saying that there's a mentality around it that once you get it, it's infectious. And the people around you, if you're dedicated to it and you're living what you're preaching, will have an effect on those around you. Love it. So uh, tell me how... How do you stay motivated and moving during, and maybe you don't even ever define anything as tough times, but, but what, what keeps that fire in your belly? How do you keep motivated? You know what? That's a great question because it's hard. So, and I battled this and this is, it's, it's easy when you're hungry to go look for food. It's hard to go look for food when you're full, right? Mm. You, you don't want to. I'll, I'll go look for food later. And so for me, uh, it is a constant battle as you, you know, I was a millionaire at 33 years old, starting at 28. And so from there forward, you know, you can buy whatever you want for Christmas and you can get those things and go on trips and do all of those things that you want to do as I entered my 40s and now at 52. And so for the last decade, you have to find reasons, at least I do, to kind of pump me up, to kind of get me engaged because because it can be easy to to not always be on like you were particularly when you were younger once you've gotten there. So realizing that here four, five, six years ago, uh, I make a point mentally to remind myself where I come from. I've started this, this pod or me podcasting and my social media presence has helped a ton because I never talked about these stories before three and a half, four years ago. It was, it wasn't ever a topic. It was nothing I ever brought up. And I thought here, I have these stories to tell in this life that I've lived. I think I need to put that out there and it does two things, right? I can help others with it, but I can help myself also by reminding myself what it was like to be hungry, what it was like to live on the street. Uh, and 
And those things can kind of keep you humble. And I think through humility, it can keep you hungry. That's great. So what words of wisdom uh, do you have for others who want to make their own impact in the world, start businesses, you know, start ministries, whatever it is that they're, where their passion takes them? What words do you have for them? Well, I would say I'm not a passion guy. So not, none of the businesses I've ever earned or, or I've ever had were, was I passionate about. And so my words of wisdom are take advantage of opportunities. I just knew I didn't like being poor. I wanted to get off of the street and I wanted to make more money. So the 20 jobs I had, every job paid me more. And so for me, it was all about how do I amass money? How do I have income that I can count on? And then once I started my own business and started to get a sense that I could make money, now it's about how can I take care of my children? How can I take care of the extended family and the people around me and my employees? You know, how can I do better with the money that I had? And so I wouldn't have any of those things. I wouldn't have 20-year employees who have sent their kids to college on the money that I paid them had I not taken advantage of an opportunity being a driver because it paid me more when I was 20 years old. I took a job as a messenger. And from there, I built this huge transportation company that I've owned for 20 plus years. And so my words of wisdom, to the extent that there are any wisdom, is I don't go in for the follow your passion. If you're, if you're trying to achieve, what I get to do is I get to work passionately on my on the companies that I own, and then they allow me to go follow my passion. Got it. Got it. So uh, if people want to reach out, I know I have your website here, jerrybrazy.com, B-R-A-Z-I-E.com. So what will they find there? And, and what are the options for people who want to reach out? How can they learn from you and work with you? They can go to, like you said, jerrybrazy.com, and you can get a hold of me through the podcast or through the website. Uh, again, I have my own podcast, the Jerry Brazy Podcast, and it's kind of what you hear here uh, is, what we're, is what we talk about. And, and, and I always encourage anybody to reach out to me. I, I'll have a conversation. I'll help you where, however I can and wherever I can. And I'm not talking about charging you for something. Just reach out if you have a question. And if there's something that I've been fortunate or unfortunate enough to have experienced, I'm happy to pass that along to you. And if we need to go deeper and talk about doing more with you, I'm happy to do that also, coaching or consulting or whatever it is. But really, don't be scared to call me because you think, oh, that guy, he's something. He's more high-powered and he, I can't he can't help me. No, no, no. I'll have a conversation with, we'll set up a time. I'll have a half an hour conversation with you and see if I can give you some advice free of charge. Just call me. Uh, so you can get all, all of those contacts are on uh, jerrybrazy.com. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. Uh, it's amazing to hear your story, where you started from, where you come. And I love that you're, uh, you know, sharing the knowledge and uh, wisdom that you've picked up all along the way and with others to help them, you know, also be successful and, uh, you know, live live a great life. So uh, I, I really appreciate your joining me today. And please reach out. So Jerry is willing to have a conversation. And then there are opportunities if you choose to, to work with him further. So definitely go to jerrybrazy.com. J-E-R-R-Y-B-R-A-Z-I-E.com. Uh, the link will also be in the show notes for today's episode, and you can find that by going to defeatthedrama.com. Click on the podcast tab, 
and go to episode 207. So thanks again, Jerry. Uh, so, so such great information and great story. Um, you're really living an amazing life and I appreciate everything you've shared. Kirsten, I appreciate you letting me come on and tell my story. Thank you. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day, all who are listening. And if you need any help with a delegation with your team, go grab my six simple steps, a great delegation. You can get that at defeatthedrama.com forward slash delegation and get out there and make your big impact. And hey, no excuses. If Jerry got where he is, uh, there's no way that you can't soar as well. All right, get out there, make your big impact. Have a great day. Thank you.